Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church Podcast, where you can hear our Sunday morning sermons in audio form and take them wherever you go. A reminder that if you want to watch the entire service, our services are available on our YouTube channel linked in the podcast notes. We would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast so that new sermons come into your feed as soon as they are available, and you can do this using your favorite podcasting app. We would love it if you would help to support the missions and ministries here at Beach Grove through your tithes and your offerings. A donation link is also linked in the notes below. And lastly, find us on Facebook and Instagram to follow along with all the fun things happening at Beach Grove, whether you live in Suffolk, Virginia or not. We hope you enjoyed this week's message and please don't forget to share it with others. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. When John, excuse me, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord for the children of the Lord. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you. That through your word for us this day, we would continue to learn more about your presence in our lives. More about this community together. And more about the work that you are building here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. You know, as we've been journeying these past few weeks, we've really been diving into these scriptures that have begun to set this idea of a kingdom theology. That is, this understanding of how our faith-lived works go and work together in conjunction with our relationship with God. Right, This whole idea of the kingdom that I have been talking about centers around this embodiment of relationship, both our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. And see, the important part and the reason that we've moved ourselves into sort of this kingdom instead of kingdom language is to recognize the justice that exists within all of this. And the way and nature in which we are in relationship with God and one another on this equitable footing. Right? There are no people who are above one another. Yes, God holds this head of the family figure, offering us wisdom, offering us guidance, offering us this abundant, unconditional grace. 
And yet, as we practice together, we notice how we move together as a community. We move together as kin with one another and in kinship with God. And so when we see Jesus talking about this nature of the kingdom, we see it done in this manner of humility, embedded as how we live together, how we function together, how we practice together our faith and our love for God. And here's the important thing is that Jesus does not talk about this in any one specific way. You see, the interesting thing about the way that Jesus talks about the kingdom is it is both a lived reality. That is, we are living in the kingdom right now, and it is both the promise of our own eternal salvation. Right? And so we have this understanding, this lived experience of the kingdom right here, right now. An example, right here, right now, as we are in worship, is an embodiment of the kingdom of God. It is an experience and understanding of heaven that is here on earth. And in this experience, in this understanding, Jesus also talks that as we experience the kingdom here and now, we also live into this promised hope, this promised reality of what God is offering us in the future in this nature of eternal salvation. And so this means something really important for each and every one of us as we talk about what it means to live in the kingdom now here on earth. Because when Jesus goes about teaching, he recognizes that this nature is a hard pill to swallow because we so badly want to think that believing in God, it functionally transforms the way that we live in the world, right? We want to think that when we believe in God, our lives will be this perfect embodiment of what God thinks it should be, right? We think that we should be immediately transported to heaven. We should immediately experience salvation. We should immediately live in this manner of perfection, And yet, that's not the experience we get, is it? It's not. And you see, we can learn, especially from Jesus' ministry, this way in which we live into the kingdom right here, right now. Because uh, we we started this series uh, earlier this month. And when we started it, we saw the baptism of Jesus. And now, as we're here, you know, we, we jumped into 1 Corinthians. Kind of rude of me just to skip these parts of Matthew, wasn't it, right? We jumped into 1 Corinthians. Now we've come back to Matthew. But see, there's a lot that's happened in the life and ministry of Jesus between his baptism and this time that we get here to where we are today, right? Jesus baptized and he immediately goes out into the wilderness. He fasts. He he prays. he, He goes into relationship with God and he is tempted by the temptations of this world. And then Jesus goes and he begins to actually practice ministry. He gathers his disciples around him. He begins to perform miracles. He begins to teach. He begins to preach. And friends, it's not not as if this is the easiest thing in the world because Jesus in his ministry sees the harshest critiques that humanity has to offer when we talk about the kingdom as a lived reality right here right now we recognize the nature in which there is this tension between what we desire heaven to be and how we experience it right here right now on earth and that tension is what leads us into that hope of the promised resurrection in this idea and understanding. And as we begin to, and as we enter this section of our series, as we've looked at this manner of lived community as we've done in looking at those first handful of verses, that first chapter in 1 Corinthians, now we move back to the book of Matthew. 
We move back to this gospel and we move to an interesting point in this gospel because we move to possibly what is the longest sermon, longest recorded sermon we have of Jesus. The longest recorded teaching we have from our Lord and Savior, right? It, in, in all of the gospels, sometimes we get these little spurts, right? We get, a, we get a parable here or a teaching there. But here in this section, in chapters 5 and 6 of Matthew, we get the Sermon on the Mount. And just because we break it up here in church and we look at parts of it in certain weeks, this was delivered as one long message. And so as we dive in here and we begin to look at it, and we begin to look at the way that Jesus names this understanding of the kingdom through this entire message, right? It's not just any one part of it, but this is pretty much Jesus expounding on what it means to belong to the body of God. <coughs> To follow God. And so he begins here. And it's no wonder that Jesus begins with blessing and happiness. Because I think when we look at blessing and happiness, it most embodies this tension that we have between what we are living right now and the hope and promise that we desire as we receive this understanding of grace and sanctification in our lives. Right As we look towards that perfect embodiment of heaven, that thing that we desire the most, where there is no pain, there is no suffering, there is none of this, this hurtful, hatefulness, evil, hatred around us, but there is only perfect love and perfect living in who God is, then I think it begins in this nature of blessing and happiness as Jesus talks about it. Right, many of us know this passage, know these first, uh, what is it, 10 verses of, the, of, of, chap, of Matthew chapter 5 is the Beatitudes, right? And I'm sure we have all had this thought when we read the Beatitudes and we look at blessed are the poor in spirit. And you're like, wow, that feels a little oxymoronic there, friends. We either need to blame Matthew or Jesus for maybe recording it incorrectly, right? No, blessed are those who like have everything they want, Right? That's what we want to think. And yet Jesus starts off this sermon, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Right? These don't feel, maybe it may don't read like blessings. Maybe it makes you think that Christians are just gluttons for punishment. It's a part of our divine right to suffer. Well, to, to be clear, I don't, I don't think that's true. I don't think we're made to suffer. Unfortunately, suffering is a part of humanity. Suffering is a part of creation by a byproduct of having love in creation. There is the potential to be hurt, to be harmed. No, I think that the manner that Jesus offered these blessings to the crowd that are witnessing and hearing this, this sermon speaks towards the nature that we claim this idea of the kingdom and how we embody it in our daily lives, right? Not in our suffering, not in our lowest points, but in a matter of relationship to God, in a matter of closeness to God. Because the nature of these blessings begin with this idea of what it means to live and exist in God's presence. And they're understood in this way that we live and practice our faith here and now. And so blessedness, happiness, comes from our relationship with God. It's not about what's happening around us. 
It's not about the pain and the hurt and the suffering that exists in our midst. Blessing and happiness comes from God. And the way that we respond to the hurt, the pain, the suffering, the grief, all of that is in recognizing how we are blessed in our relationship with God. It's not to mitigate anything. It's not to make it feel small or lesser than. But it's to say that we survive the tough because we know that God is with us. Right? It establishes this blessing that stems forth from our connection to God, our connection to the kingdom, and not our connection to this world. And as we look at these blessings, we see the ways that we live into this image of Christ that we are created in. Why? Because Christ goes through the same exact experiences in his life. And it is that relationship that we carry forth with us. You see, the, the interesting thing that I've always found in this passage, um, and I, I found it really early on the first time that I preached this passage in ministry, because what happens sometimes when I go and I prepare my sermons is I will read like 30 or 40 different translations of the Bible. And yes, there are that many of the translations of the Bible that exist. Actually, there are hundreds of translations of the Bible, um, and that's just in English alone. But you see, the interesting thing is, is oftentimes how translators, they, they differentiate in some things. They differentiate in some things. And, and one of the interesting things that I've always found about this passage, this, this specific passage of scripture, is the way that that word blessed often gets translated. Because so often we think of, we think of that word blessed, we call them the beatitudes because it's meant to convey that manner of blessing. But, but friends, blessing is not the only word that can be translated here. You see, the Greek word here in this passage is makarios. Makarios. And it can be translated as blessed, but it can also be translated as happy or blissful. And I remember the first time that I saw that, it really made me think about what is happening at a deeper level in this passage. Right, because when Jesus starts talking about blessed are those, and he lists those, those nine blessings that exist in the Beatitudes, he's not seeking to convey a human emotion, right? He's not, he's not seeking to convey happiness or blessedness in the way that we often consider it, right? Instead, he's trying to get us to think of happy and blessed as a state of being. A state of being that's connected to our relationship with God. And so while humanly, human emotion-wise, we may be feeling different emotions, different feelings, the undergirding, the background idea and understanding in all of that is the blessing that has been received from God. It doesn't make us happy, but instead it leaves us in an area that reminds us who we are connected to. It reminds us that we are connected to God. It reminds us that through God we are connected to community. And so when we experience those awful human emotions that, that really pit us deep down inside, that hurt us, that harm us, that we know that there are those in this world, that we know that there are those spiritually that connect us back to God and connect us back to that blessing to help to heal 
right? Caroline Lewis, who is a, a biblical professor, uh, she teaches up at St. Paul Seminary in Minnesota. Um, she writes uh, about the Beatitudes. She says the Beatitudes are a call to action for the sake of creating the world that God imagines. Right? And I love that because the Beatitudes, I mean, when we read them, they almost seem passive, right? Jesus is merely giving a blessing to folks. But instead, we see the promise of the kingdom that God is building. The promise of the kingdom that we are baptized into. The promise of the kingdom that we play a role in. And each of these aspects listed out by Jesus, promised in this passage, lay forth how we live into the kingdom as well. Right? We are invited to consider the connection with God and one another that we have. How will we live into that image of God which we have been created in? How will we find blessings in places that may not be expected? Right? Because we remember God does not put bounds on the kingdom. But we are called to reside in the kingdom, an embodiment of our community of faith. Right? We can't get lost in this understanding, but we lean upon the one, but we lean upon one another to be reminded of the blessings that God has given around us. How we connect with one another and how we connect with God. It's for the poor in spirit. For those who mourn, for those who are meek, for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for those who are merciful, pure of heart, for those who are the peacemakers, for those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, and for when people revile, persecute, and utter evil against us. Because the nature of blessing in our lives is not attached to any of those things. It's attached to what Jesus says we will be. It's attached to the connection of the kingdom of God that we have. It's attached to God's loving grace. And so blessed are the poor in spirit because we are a part of the kingdom of God. Right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they are connected to the kingdom of God. Blessed are those of us who are persecuted, who have evil uttered against us because we are connected to God's kingdom. We have a community of faith that surrounds us. And as we look at the role that we play in creation, as we look at the role that we play in the kingdom, we look at the role in which we know that we have received these blessings ourselves. That when we were poor in spirit, God offered us everything that we did not deserve. When we were meek, when we were hungry, when we were thirsty, when we were all of these things, when we were hurting in pain, when we were balled up in a ball crying on the floor, God offered us creation. God offered us life. God offered us breaths. God offered us the spirit to heal our hurts and our pains. And so what is our role with this blessing? Is to take that blessing to others. Because each one of these blessings is an offering of God upon each and every one of us. And friends, God help us if we hold on to God's blessings only for ourselves. Because the lived understanding of the kingdom is taking what God has offered to us and offering it to others. All right, how will we make room for these blessings in our community? And how will we do our part in God's kingdom to build up these blessings as an extension of our own faith? Right? Blessed are each and every one of us. And now in the name of God, we are called to extend those blessings to others.
Amen.